This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich and the name of this episode is You Need to Tell the Right Story to Lead Your Followers into Battle. As always, I'll kick off this episode with a quick story before introducing my guest. When he was a young college student, my wife's great-great-grandfather joined the revolution. He and his pals tried to overthrow the German government. The year was 1833, and young Adolf attempted a coup with a band of student revolutionaries in Frankfurt. Their plan? Sneak attack a few arsenals capture the soldiers, take the guns, arm the civilians, topple the government. Everything went just as planned until they got to the arm the civilians part. Here's an excerpt from Adolf's biography. The arms captured at the arsenal were distributed among the immense crowd. The revolutionaries called upon the people to seize the arms and establish the republic. Help yourselves, gentlemen, don't be bashful, cried one of Adolf's comrades as he handed out the arms to the gaping mob. Today we are having a revolution all over Germany. An hour later, he was shot dead, refusing to surrender. The people were not ripe for revolt. The blow struck them unawares. A few indeed took arms, but most of those dropped them soon and furtively glided away. So what do we make of this tragic tale? Well, Adolf and his pals did not tell the right story. The revolutionaries thought they had something irresistible to sell the civilians, overthrow the rotten government, establish a republic, freedom for all. And sure, there's a little risk. You might get shot. You might end up in prison. But what's a revolution without a little risk? The people said, no, thanks. They weren't buying the story. Good leaders and good marketers understand their people. They listen and empathize. They research. They discover everything they can about their prospective followers. What problems do their followers have? What do they fear? What do they crave? Where do they want to go? And the German revolutionaries knew the journey they themselves wanted to take, but they didn't craft the right story to inspire the people to join the revolution. And so the people dropped the guns and went back home. I don't share this tale to help you launch a revolution. I share it to emphasize you have to tell the right story. Today, Mick Spears and I will discuss how great leaders craft and deliver powerful stories. Mick is the CEO and the founder of The Leadership Project. He's the host of The Leadership Project podcast. He's a keynote speaker and a best-selling author of the book, You're a Leader, Now What? His mission is to empower leaders with the knowledge and skills they need to create amazing teams and amazing workspaces so that people 
fall in love with their jobs again. Mick Spears, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Thank you so much, Tom. It's a great pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. That's a wonderful story that you got us kicked off with, and there's key messages and key lessons that we can all take from that one. So, yeah, great to be here, sir. So, Mick, dive in. Key messages, key lessons. What's your takeaway from the story of uh, great-great-grandfather Adolf? Yeah, so what I'm going to say is that he and his very small group of people had probably been playing that story over in their head for weeks or months leading up to that. A revolution doesn't happen in in a second. It's something yeah. that builds up over time. So I'm going to say they probably had already told a very good story to themselves. They probably had a very clear vision, a very clear purpose. But if you don't share it with people, if you don't articulate it with clarity, if you don't bring people along in the story, then you're going to be charging up that metaphorical hill and look behind you and find that no one followed you. So it's not about having a great story. It's about sharing a great story and sharing that great story in a way that the audience are ready and able to understand what the story means to them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's my takeaway. I love that. And, And what you're really getting at here, Mick, is that storytelling is a collaborative process. It's about we're all joining together and stories only work if your audience is feeling that they're part of the story, if they can relate, if they see themselves in the journey. And I think whether you're a marketer or a business leader too often, you're telling stories that are just me, 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 my vision, my vision, my revolution, my uh, dreams and hopes, uh, my journey. And it's not this collective and collaborative experience. And so people tune out and they move on. So, yeah, that really makes me think of the great work of the late Judith Glazer and conversational intelligence. And Mm. to co-create a world, we need to move to a we world. So move away from I, and we need to move to we. But then to bring richness to the story, then it needs to include the you element. So a great visionary story that uh, inspires people into meaningful action around a worthy cause, it will start with we are going to do this, 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 and you are important because, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, so the individual you needs to hear themselves in that story. They need to believe in the cause, but then they need to believe that they matter and that what they do has some kind of impact towards that cause. Otherwise, they're just going to sit on their hands and watch. They're going to be a spectator from the side. Even if they believe in the cause, if they don't see themselves in the story, like you said, Tom, they'll be a spectator, not a participant. Yeah. And and that applies beautifully to leadership and the internal operations of a business. And that applies to marketing and sales and how you as a marketer relate to your prospects and if they see themselves in the story. Now, my suspicion is that you believe that there are a lot of people who are sitting on their hands, who are not feeling like they're part of the story, who are not inspired, because I know that you talk often about the great leadership crisis that businesses are facing. What do you mean by the leadership crisis? I think it's been creeping up over time. I don't think it's completely new. I think the 
the pandemic has brought things into a new lens and a new perspective for people. And we're probably seeing it with more clarity now than before. But over the last few decades, I'm going to say this has been creeping up on us and leadership is at the heart of it. When you read research from organizations like ATD and Gallup, you find that only 16 to 20% of people in the world truly love their job and like their boss. That's it. So at best, one in five. So if you think about it, and some companies are always going to be better than others, of course. But for those that are listening to this podcast, maybe in a work environment, or even if you're listening to it on the bus, take a look around you right now and imagine that only one in five of those people truly love their jobs. One in five. And the other four are just going through the motions. We're spending up to one third of our lives in these workspaces that either don't inspire us or worse still, completely stress us out. And that stress impacts all parts of our life, our mental health. We take that stress home. It doesn't end at the boundaries of the business. So that's where we're at right now and leadership's at the heart of it. That's then precipitating itself into, and I don't know which of these you'd like me to go more deeply into, but you see the great resignation. You see companies screaming about a talent shortage that I'm not sure exists. And you see the latest trend, which is called quiet quitting. So people have put a label on this now where people are starting to just do the bare minimum. They're going to get out their job description and say, this is what my job description says. They're going to work the hours and nothing more. And one school of thought would to say would be to say that that's a reset and people are just being clear about their boundaries. And I fully support that. People should be very clear about their boundaries. But that's not what concerns me, Tom. What concerns me is that when they are working those hours, they're completely disengaged. They're sitting on their hands. They're spectating. They're not engaged in the battle anymore. Well, let's let's talk about that first, the quiet quitting, the disengaged employee. Because again, I think all that we're discussing right now is analogous also to the marketing world in which I operate, the disengaged uh, subscriber on your list, the, process, the prospect who may be sitting across the table or across the way from you in Zoom, who's showing up, but not really tuned in, not along for the ride. So I think everything we're talking about here applies to all facets of business, but talk about it specifically as it relates to this notion of quiet quitting and what leaders can do to get those employees to be more tuned in, to be Mm. uh, more part of the program. There's multiple facets and I'll start with maybe a high level, and then we can choose which one we go deeper into, Tom. So the first one can be a complete lack of purpose or a lack of clarity of purpose where they're getting asked or told to do certain things, but they've completely lost the reason why. Why are we doing this? What makes it important? So that could be the first one. So it's the lack of purpose. The second one coming to our storytelling is a lack of individual purpose of how what they do has a contribution to the bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. So even if they believe, if the company's got a great headline story, let's say, as to what their vision is and what they 
what they're all about, if the individual doesn't understand how they contribute to the mission and vision, they're going to say, yeah, yeah, good, good purpose, but what can I do? I'm just one person because it hasn't been related to them. And then the third one is the protest aspect. We've had decades of alpha style leaders that have been directorial and telling people what to do and not engaging them, not asking their opinions, not treating them with respect, not giving them a voice. And eventually everyone is saying, you know what, you're paying me a salary. Paying me a good salary does not give you the right to not treat me with respect. Right. Mm-hmm. And the opposite is true as well. Giving me a great purpose and a vision doesn't also give you the right to give me a poor salary. It's, everything's got to be in balance. There's got to be, there's got to be materialistic reward and there's got to be the intrinsic reward of knowing that I've got purpose and impact in what I do and that I matter to the people around me. So that, that would be the three things, high level purpose, individual purpose and respect. Give me a voice include me, respect my opinions. And that's why people are quite quitting. They've had enough. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. And so if I'm a leader listening to what you're saying, Nick, and I agree and I buy into it and I want to do this, what's the first thing I need to do when I get to the office tomorrow Mm. and begin to think, how do I turn this idea into action? I would have normally said to start with purpose and and to gather people around and give more clarity around the why, but I'm feeling what's going on in the workplace right now. The first thing a leader needs to do is give their team a good damn listening to. Mm -hmm. People are feeling voiceless right now. So bring them together and ask them a few questions. These questions are going to be leading somewhere and, and you And I'm not talking about manipulation here, but it's leading to the crescendo, which will be poor purpose and a a clear storytelling. But I'd come in there and I'd say, I'd ask some very, what we call clean language questions Mm -hmm. and clean language questions are those that don't have any bias in the question itself. They're not Mm -hmm. trying to steer people in a certain direction. Hey team, what do you think our biggest priorities are this week? And even then, that might be a shock because if you've been telling them every week, hey, hey, team, this is what we're going to do, the fact that you ask that question might be the first shock. Oh, oh, the boss is actually asking me. So it might take them a little while, while to warm up. So what are our biggest priorities this week? And what makes that important? And what positive impact will come if we're able to achieve that? And what challenges do you foresee? Do you see any obstacles in our own? And how might we navigate around those obstacles. What are your thoughts? What are your ideas? And you can see here that I'm not injecting any of the leaders' ideas first because people have been voiceless for too long. They're tired of it. They want to share something. But what you're doing along the way is you're collecting the ingredients that will become your story, Mm -hmm. that will become your purpose, and will have the language of your target audience because you're listening to your target audience right there, right then. That's what I'd start with. Then I'd take that away and I'd be thinking about, yeah, what is our common purpose? It might take a little bit of reshaping, really thinking about, and after you've done this for a while, 
asked a lot of questions, given them a good damn listening to, then you'll be coming back to them. And then you'll be using powerful storytelling to redeclare the purpose and the vision and the mission of the business. Say, right, see, we exist to do this, to help this group of people so that they can do this and, and to have some kind of very altruistic purpose that people can go, oh, oh, yeah. And how you contribute to this purpose is, and then you start blending in the individual aspects of people seeing themselves in the story. And now you're starting to get some alignment and you're starting to get some re-engagement. Yeah, I, I think that's fabulous, Mick. And in, in our model for storytelling for business, we talk about the three E method, the letter E, empathize, envision, and enable. And so what you're talking about here is the first thing, go and listen. You're, you're listening to your audience, to your employees, if you're in a leadership role, to your prospects and your customers, if you're in a marketing and sales role. What is it that they think are the problems to be solved? Where is it that they feel we all sit today and and want to be tomorrow? The want to be tomorrow is the envision side. You know, there's it, it's all about a before to after journey, moving and progressing and getting from point A to point B. And so if you collectively, if you listen, all right, where do we all see ourselves? What's the before? Where do we all want to be? What's the after? What should the priorities be? What should, what is it that I wish to achieve on behalf of, for myself and for the company? Well, then if you know that journey, then you can describe how this project or this initiative or this strategy is the bridge 30 that enables the journey that will get us there. Now there's, there's naturally buy-in as opposed to the leader coming in and saying, Hey, everybody, here are the guns. Here's the revolution. Join in. Well, what, what? Where did that come to. from? Yeah. yeah. Spot yeah. on Tom. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. So em empathize, uh, empathizing, engaging and enabling them. And then you'll be surprised what they can do. People need empowerment. They need engagement. There's, an, there's another thing that I'm going to add in here, Tom, about accountability. Yep. There's a big conflict right now where a lot of senior executives, they're getting sick and tired and they're saying things like, I just can't get anyone to take accountability anymore. Everyone's got mm -hmm. sloping shoulders. No one wants to take responsibility. It's not true. It's not true. Yeah. People want to be accountable and responsible for their own lives, and they want to be accountable and responsible for what they do at work. Yeah. What they don't want is accountability and responsibility without the empowerment the and the enablement yeah. to do it because yeah. that's setting you up for a fall. All right, Tom, you're responsible for delivering on this project. But don't think you're going to get any kind of resources or decision-making power. You have to come and check with me on every single thing along the way. But off you go. You're accountable. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much, right? So Yeah, and, and uh, in the... In the E-Myth books, um, who's the author of the, the E-Myth uh, 
uh, revisited. It, it doesn't matter. He 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 makes the distinction between delegating and abdicating, and yeah. and the sometimes the leader will just abdicate and and say, okay, you know, go do this project or go do this thing, or you're now responsible for it, but it's not being handed off. It's just being, it's not being handed off with any sense of common mission, with any sense of, of I am handing to you responsibility and authority and clarity. It's being done with, I'm just pushing this thing off my plate and mm. go do it. And by the way, check with me before you release it. Um, yeah. And, and it doesn't work. <laughs> and, yeah. and so. Yeah. A thousand percent, Tom. And and I see it happen far too often and, and leaders giving themselves a pat in the back going, Oh, I, I delegated. Uh, everyone told me I should delegate more, but they didn't. They, uh, we'd, we'd call it handballed. They handballed it to someone else. Yeah took it off their plate and gave someone else a problem. Not good. Not good. Yeah. The other thing that people crave in, in the marketplace or in the workplace, I should say, they do crave opportunities for growth, right? Mm -hmm. So with the right delegation, with empowerment, enablement, with purpose, with mission, with vision, people are going to want that. They do want opportunities to grow. They do want to challenge themselves. They're not, people aren't sitting on their hands because they don't want to challenge. They're sitting on their hands because they don't understand. And it's our job to declutter all of that so they understand why we do what we do and how they contribute. Yep. Once yep. they get that, then they're ready for a challenge. Yeah. They're ready to step up. Yeah. So how does it work? Who, who are the clients whom you're best suited to serve your ideal clients and how does an engagement with Mick work? Yeah. Great question. So I've, I've got three things that I do. So I do my leadership Academy, which has got transformative leadership programs where I teach these concepts, but I teach it in a very specific method. I'll come back to that in a moment. I've got one-on-one -on -one coaching for leaders that are really looking to take their leadership to the next level. And then I do high-performance team workshops based around the Drexler-Sibbett team performance model. And I'll unpack those a, a little bit more now. Mm -hmm. In the Leadership Academy, we do our programs over an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. So instead of you going on a retreat for five days and you drink, water from a fire hose and get all of this content, you feel you've had a great experience, you've had a shared experience with your friends and all this kind of stuff. And then you go back to work on Monday and exactly nothing happens <laughs> because it's too much. So what we do is we use micro learning. We teach one concept at a time. We use powerful storytelling in that teaching. We'll start with emotion We'll give you some, effect, some facts that back up that emotion. Then we'll finish with emotion so you're feeling ready to get out there and take on the world. So we teach one concept in a very collaborative and social learning approach where we get people talking about what does this mean? Why is it important? How might I do it? What challenges will I 
encounter. So get them really openly talking. It's not a lecture. It's a it's a very much a group discussion around a key topic. Then we get them to go and implement. Mm-hmm. So we break away. We teach one concept and we go, right, back to the workplace. And they go and implement the technique or the or the concept that we just spoke about. And then they come back at the end of the week and we have reflection. Mm. So it's learn, implement, reflect, learn, implement, reflect. And then they start seeing the results immediately, first of all, but they feel like they were part of the learning process, that they were part of the story, so to speak. Yeah. So that's what we do in our, in our, uh, our leadership academy. I'll I want to. Yeah, yeah, I want to. I want to touch on something you said because I think it is a really, really critical lesson, and I don't want it to just slide past everybody. You were talking about the learning phase, and you said we start with emotion, and then I think you said we add information, and then we go back to emotion, mm-hmm. emotion, information, emotion, and. That really is a simple boiling down of a storytelling framework. You know, mm-hmm. the, the reason you're connecting with and listening, you're starting with listening and you're starting with empathy is to make the emotional connection, to understand the emotional state, to, to, to as I said just a moment ago, make that emotional connection. If you begin with emotion, then you've created the space and the ability to deliver information that will be relevant, that will be remembered, that will be acted upon. And then yeah. you remind them again, you know, what is the emotional point? What is the yeah. reason that we're doing this? What is the feeling that will result from this? And so I think that, that you really, that, that phrase really rang true with me, emotion, information, emotion, because that at the heart of it is what we as marketers and salespeople do when we're delivering powerful stories, what great leaders do when they're delivering powerful stories. The information sticks and the progress and the journey begins if you combine information and emotion. So I want to expand a little bit further so it really nails it. So I'm going to give an example of when I talk about inclusion. So Mm -hmm. when we're in a learning phase and we're talking about inclusion, and and inclusion is something that's often misunderstood, by the way, Tom. Mm -hmm. When I talk about inclusion, I start with storytelling and I talk about the schoolyard. Mm-hmm. And I talk about what exclusion feels like. Yeah. And I and I tap into it because every single person has had an experience sometime in their life, whether it's in the schoolyard, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in a social group where they felt excluded. And mm-hmm. I get them feeling and remembering. So, sometimes it can get a little bit kind of, oh, but I get them feeling and remembering what it feels like to be excluded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, then I shift it to this is what inclusion really looks like. And I talk about it's not a numbers game. It's not about getting people a seat at the table. It's about engagement. It's about giving them a voice and all this kind of stuff. And I give them some facts around the differences between an included workplace and one that isn't based on inclusion, et cetera. And then I finish with a positive emotion of, Imagine what it feels like when all of your team feel like they belong and they blah, blah, blah. So 
hit them with emotion, hit them with yeah. what they need to do to make this work and the science behind what happens when you get it right, and then finish with a positive, impactful emotion of go do it. Yeah. And and remember a few minutes ago, we were talking about that three E's method that we use of empathize and envision and enable. And all of those pieces are included in that. The the empathy is you remember when do you have you had that feeling? I had that feeling, we had that feeling, we all can relate to that feeling. The envision is you're closing with it, but it's all part of the same circle. Wouldn't it be amazing if the feeling yeah. was otherwise, this one. was yeah. this way, as opposed to that way? That's the journey that you're, yeah. that's the journey that you're framing up. And what you're doing in the middle is you're explaining how understanding that if you put in an organization that has these qualities, that uses these practices and strategies, inclusion, the details, the info, yeah. that will enable the journey. The, but it, the journey is about the emotional journey. And yeah. so I, I think it's just so powerful what you're talking about. And I wanted to go off on that tangent because really it's not a tangent. It's the heart of yeah. what you do in your leadership work. It's the heart of what I do in my marketing and sales work. It's about evoking that emotional journey. You feel this way, then you get to feel this way. And here's how that happens. Buy the product and service, implement the strategy, tactics, and tools that I'm trying as a leader to bring into the organization. It's all the same model and it's so, so powerful. That's a wonderful description, Tom, 100% align with that. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take them on. I'm going to use that term you just used, an emotional journey, because I know that emotional journey is going to stick. Otherwise, yeah. if I just stick with the facts, they're going to selectively pick and choose the facts that support probably a view that they already had before the program started, right? Mm -hmm. Without that emotion, it's difficult to shift someone's thinking. Yeah. So I took you off track, even though yep, sure. it, I'll just finish, it's finish the heart off of the track. Come yeah. back to where you were. And, and yeah, let's sure. Keep so yep. I was just going to finish off on the high performance team workshops. Yeah. And uh, there's multiple different things we go through on that one. Culture is part of it. Mm -hmm. And similar with culture, by the way, we discuss what culture do you have today? What culture do you want to have tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And what does the journey look like to get there, including the challenges that you might face along the way and and give some tools on how you can create that culture that you want. Role modeling, thinking mm -hmm. about what behavior you reward, what behavior do you celebrate, what behavior do you tolerate. So uh, in our high-performance team workshops, we talk a lot about culture. Mm -hmm. As mentioned, we use Drexler Sibbett team performance model. So and that focuses on starting with why am I here? Why am I here? Not so it's why are we here, but why am I here? And that comes back to that collective purpose that we we're talking about before. It's not just that I believe in the vision of the company. I believe that I contribute positively towards that vision. So why are we here? Why are why am I here? Then it goes into who are you? And the who are you is all about trust building. It's about 
me sharing who I am and and the gifts and superpowers that I bring to the table and with the right environment, people also sharing what their weaknesses are so that you can have a, a very kind of open discussion about that. So who are you is all about trust building. Mm-hmm. Then what do we do? Then how do we do it? Then the what, when, how, what, that most leaders jump straight to number five and they missed all of that. They missed all of that. Why are we here? The trust building, all of those things uh, along the way. So in our high performance team workshops, they're facilitated by us, but Mm -hmm. we take people through that journey uh, as opposed to the leader just trying to do it themselves. So that's what we do with our workshops. So describe for me, the typical leader with whom you work and what is the emotional state? What is it that they're feeling when you're empathizing with Mm. them? Where, where are they in their before? Where is it that you're emotionally taking them? And Mm -hmm. you've already filled in the middle by describing Mm -hmm. the different, the different delivery mechanisms and the different programs you have, but, but, Describe that transformation of the leader who starts and needs this program, may not even realize it, and then goes through the program. What is that transformation? That's that's interesting, Tom, because I started this business with a very specific avatar in mind, for want of a better word, and it turned out that I end up with three. Mm -hmm. And I'll briefly describe all three. So the the first one that I started with was the first time leader. And that's what my book is written about. You're a leader now. what? And that is an emotional journey, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. So the scenario here is you've got someone that's incredibly good at their craft. They're a great software engineer. They're a great accountant. They're a great nurse, whatever the case may be. And they get tapped on the shoulder and they say, congratulations, you're a leader now. And then comes the roller coaster. They have the euphoric highs that they've finally been recognized for being good at what they do because they knew they knew that they were good at their job, right? But they've finally been recognized and validated by another person, another human being has said, yes, you are good, Tom. Congratulations, you're a leader. So they ride on a high for a few days telling everyone who will listen and maybe even some that won't about their new promotion. Mm-hmm. And then comes the thud. Interesting thing, quite, a, quite often happens the night before the new job or the morning of the new job, the thud of realization that no one has ever shown them what it means to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And all they can do right now is they start looking around them and they start thinking about the leaders that they've had before them and they start mimicking that behavior. <laughs> And that's going to be a hit and miss affair because now they've got a model of what leadership looks like that came from observation of leaders that may not have been good at their leadership craft. Mm-hmm. And they start mimicking the bad behaviors without really checking in and going, is that really what the leader should have been doing in that scenario? But they've had these models. And, and if we're in an environment where the engagement levels are as low as they are, there's the high probability that they're going to be mimicking the behavior of a leader before them that wasn't so good. Mm-hmm. So I help first time leaders to get through that emotional roller coaster 
to then believe in themselves as a leader, to find themselves as a leader, and then to turn around and start becoming, and it doesn't happen instantly, but they start becoming the leader that they want to be. They start becoming the leader that their team deserve, Mm. not the leader that's just mimicking the boss that they immediately had before them. So that's the first time leaders. The second group are the ones that are shifting gears. Senior managers moving into their very first executive role. And a big one for them, they might have been in a, in a director position and now they're going to be a VP for the first time. Mm-hmm. And a big one for them is a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. I help them with a mindset shift. So I'll use an example. Someone's being a director of marketing, which means that have, have a listen to those words. They've been directing marketing activities. Mm-hmm. And when they go into VP of marketing, the mindset shift they need to meet is now you're a leader of marketers. You're not a director of marketing anymore. You're a leader of marketers. And it's it's those mindset shifts that we we help people with to realize that as you go further and further up the train, you actually not, not just do less. You need to do less. You need to do less. You need to step back. You need to let go. And that's one of the the limiting beliefs that, or limiting challenges that many of them have is they find it difficult to let go of what they used to do. Mm-hmm. So that's the second group. And then the third group is the CEOs. It's the C-suite that are the ones that have got the frustrations that I was telling you about. They're, they're sitting there pulling their hair out. They're a little bit, I shouldn't say all of them. Some of them have gotten out of touch with the shop floor for a while. They're, mm-hmm. they're a bit arm's length removed from what's happening on the ground. And they're the ones that are saying, how come we can't find good people? What's this great resignation about? Why are people quiet quitting? We're a great company. And they've lost that cascading of purpose. They've lost that storytelling. They've lost that ability to empower, engage, and enable their teams. And mm-hmm. they'll realize that if they took a, a outward lens, if they looked at it from the outside, they'd realize that there's things that they can do that are in their control that can re-engage the workforce that they have. Don't go looking for a new workforce and complain that, oh, there's not enough talent out there. How about re-engaging the workforce that you already have? You're already paying their salaries. Why don't you re-engage them first? So that's what I work with with CEOs. Beautiful. Beautiful. And how, if somebody was listening to this and thinking to themselves, well, yeah, I can relate. He's, he's telling my story. I want to learn more. How is it that they can find you, Nick? So probably the two best channels would be to connect with me on LinkedIn. Quite prolific there. I, I'm on there giving thought leadership and commentary and supporting people on LinkedIn most days. And then the second one would be our website, uh, www.mixbeers.com. And mm-hmm. in there, you can then find all of our courses. You can find all of our programs. You can also connect for, uh, for coaching, all of our services. You can catch up with our podcast, all of those things uh, in mixbeers.com. And I know from being familiar with the book that even though you described it as designed for first-time leaders, there is so much wisdom in it for 
any level of leader. It, it would apply to that leader in transition. It would apply to that CEO. So uh, tell us again the name of the book and where they should go to find the book. Sure. So it's Your Leader Now What? It's available on Amazon as either a paperback or a, an ebook. We would love to see you grab a copy. would love to hear your thoughts. I, I love a great conversation like we've had today, Tom. So anyone that grabs a copy of the book wants to have a chat about anything that they read in there, reach out. I'm always ready for a discussion about that. But yeah, please find it on Amazon. If you would love to, please leave an honest review of, on Amazon as well. That stuff really helps us authors. So yeah. I'd love to hear from people that have uh, purchased the book and if it's had a had something uh, positive shift in their thinking. Terrific. Mick, any parting thoughts? I'm just going to say thank you for what you do, uh, Tom. I think the power of storytelling is underestimated. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can get cynical about it and go, oh, it's just all about marketing. It's not all about marketing. It's about inspiration. storytelling is about inspiring people into meaningful action around a worthy cause. For me, the worthy cause is about leadership and it's about creating a better world where people fall back in love with their jobs again and aren't stressed about their work. Your worthy cause might be purchasing of a product for for a worthy cause, whatever the case may be. Don't be cynical about storytelling. Embrace it. It's about inspiring people into meaningful action around a worthy cause. I love that definition, and uh, I'm going to borrow it. I'm going to credit you, but I'm going to borrow it, have it in an email sometime soon, and uh, probably repeat it. So, Mick, thank you so much. Very much enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate so much what you do, and uh, our paths will continue to cross, I know. Brilliant. Thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Podcasts.